0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Good morning. Now I'm here to tell you how to really have a great marriage. And um, that is to not look from a guide from two single guys, but it's to look to the ultimate guide, and that is the Word of God. right? So we're going to go into the Word, and I'm going to teach a message today as I wrap up the series on I Want a New Marriage called Love and Respect. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down that title, Love and Respect. You can also follow along on YouVersion if you have that app on your phone. Just go to uh, the Bible app and search for a live event in your area, and you should be able to pull up the notes as well and follow along. Research reveals that during marital conflict that a husband most often reacts when he feels disrespected. That's when he most often reacts in conflict, is when he feels disrespected. And a wife reacts when she feels unloved. There was a poll done of 7,000 people, and they were asked this question. When you're in conflict with your spouse or significant other, do you feel unloved or disrespected? 83% of the men said disrespected. 72% of the women out of that 7,000 said unloved. So we see here that this is a huge issue, that women want to be loved and that men want to be respected. We feel these needs the most when we're in conflict. That's really a lot of times when we look at conflict and what it is, we see that that's where those things will begin to emerge. Then we go, you know what, I'm really needing to feel loved right now And the man may be saying, I really need to feel respected right now, but yet those are oftentimes the very things that don't get communicated. For example, when a woman feels unloved during conflict, her natural reaction is to respond disrespectfully. And when a husband feels disrespected during conflict, his reaction is to respond unlovingly. This is called the crazy cycle, okay? And what the crazy cycle is, is without love, a wife reacts without respect. And without respect, a husband reacts without love. And this cycle just keeps going over and over and over and over again. And it just becomes things that pushes us apart because the devil would love for nothing more than to tear apart marriage. Let me tell you something, folks. I have been preaching for 17 years. I've been preaching this word of God for 17 years, and I have in that time never come under such an attack and a weight as I have during this marriage series that we've been doing here the past six weeks. Physical things, emotional things, mental things, and I didn't always recognize them immediately for what they were. And I go, whoa, 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 this is an attack of Satan because he hates this word going forth about marriage. You know that? He hates it. Why? Because when our marriages are solid, when they're grounded, when they're rooted on the Word of God, then they begin to flourish and they ultimately bring glory to God. And he hates that. And I've, I, I don't know if you've learned this about me or not as your pastor, but I'm very passionate about the truth. I'm very passionate about the truth and I'm always in a pursuit of truth. That's why the heart of my life My mantra, if you will, of my life has been, I'm always willing to give up what I believe for the truth. And I'm in this constant pursuit of what is true. And the only thing that is going to ground me in what is true is the word of God. So I've got to be willing to say, God, if your word is different than the way I think, somebody has to change the way they think, right? And it's not going to be God. It needs to be me. It needs to be me saying, okay, God, not my way of thinking, but your way of thinking. Not my way of doing things, God, but your way of doing things. And that's not always easy. It's not always easy to hear. And let me tell you, as a pastor, it's not always easy to speak. Because with my passion for the truth, as like any passion that we have, passion comes with a degree of pain. Because you speak the truth and you want to live the truth. And sometimes the truth isn't always heard or received. Because sometimes we want to elevate our way of thinking above what God says is true. And let me tell you something. I've had to make this decision in life that regardless of the degree of pain I may experience. Regardless of the battle I may have to face. I'm going to have to stand for the truth of the word of God. Amen, somebody? When it's popular and when we're all high-fiving each other and when it's not very popular. I don't care if I get run out of town over the deal. I'm going to stand with the Word of God as being absolute true. Amen, somebody? It doesn't matter. I mean, one claps, everybody claps. Don't make my buddy over there feel alone. (laughs) But let me tell you something, folks. Truth isn't always easy. And so when we go into this series about marriage, I'm going to speak the truth, and the Bible says to speak it in love, which I'm going to do. But we have to be willing to submit our ideas and our thoughts to God's ideas and God's thoughts, regardless of how popular or unpopular the message or the truth may be. When we hear about love and respect, I'm I'm going to say, okay, God, what do you say? When it comes to marriage, okay, God, what do you say? Because I'm not smarter than God. I can't put myself in that position. Right? I can't say I know more than God. I have to trust that that, that for some reason, when he gives me this truth, that it's going to be for my benefit. Because you want to know whatever benefits me from the application of the truth of God's word is going to bring glory to God. It's going to bring glory to him. If it's not... Then it's, it, it, then it's not going to bring glory to God and it's not going to benefit me. So we need to understand that going into this word today. So in Ephesians 5 and 33, the Bible says this. Go ahead and put it on the screen. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So as we see love and respect, this isn't some idea for a catchy sermon title that somebody came up with. No, this is something that was written thousands of years ago. That the woman was created with this need for love and that this man was created with this need for respect. And then God takes these two people, puts them together and wants us to understand that in our relationship with one another. Because most of the time when we're enduring conflict, we're really trying to communicate something deeper to our spouse than what spans beyond what we're actually saying. In other words, we may be saying something, but there's something underlying what we're saying that we're really trying to communicate. We're really trying to tell them, this is really upsetting me, or this is really making me feel unloved, or this is really making me feel disrespected. And this is a breakdown in communication between men and women, and breakdown in communication causes conflict frustration mounts when we don't understand one another or we don't understand how one another communicates or gives and receives information. Most of the ways we communicate or the way we give and receive information is directly connected to experiences that we had growing up. And I learned this in a communication class that I took my staff through. I wanted us to learn how to communicate better as a staff. So a little over a month ago, we all went through this teaching And uh, through this class on communication. And we began to learn that there are people who may uh, better communicate through seeing things. They have to see it to understand it for it to be communicated. Some people have to hear things in order to understand it. Because they're more audio. Some people are more visual. And then there's a group that's more touchy-feely. They have to feel it, you know, to be able to communicate and understand and give and receive information. And that's their language of communication. The problem is, is that when you get people in the same room that have different ways that they communicate, because maybe they have a certain portion of their communication channel that shut down. Say you grew up in a home where there was a lot of yelling and a lot of, uh, when, when instruction was given and, and harsh tones were given. Well, as a child, maybe you shut down that audio portion because it is associated with harmful things in your past. And so now you don't listen very well to other people. You don't hear them very well because it's associated with pain of your past. And that's breakdown in communication because maybe you're married to someone who's very audio and they want to give instruction. They like to speak to you a lot. And you're like, stop talking. I don't see what you're saying. Why? Because I'm more visual. I need to see how it works, not just hear how it works. Some of you will light up when something is being explained in great detail when it's audio. Some of you will light up when someone brings up a graph and begins to show you because you have different ways that you communicate. Some of you will connect more when someone touches you or when they begin to express emotion or feeling towards something. That connects you because you have different ways to communicate. It's not wrong. It's not that one's better than the other. It's just that it's different. And as husbands and wives, we have to learn how to build a bridge between those ways we communicate. For instance, I am what you will call audio external. In other words, I process my thoughts out loud. When I'm speaking, I am thinking. Everyone who works for me on my staff are all audio internal people. In other words, when they hear something, they need to think about it. Me, when I'm talking, I am thinking. I explained this to one of my accountants the other day when I found this out about myself. It's a huge revelation for me. I told her, I said, Nancy, I said, guess what? Guess what I learned about communication? I'm this way. This is how I'm wired. When I'm talking, I'm actually thinking. I said, so I don't know if there's been times in the past where I freaked you out because I bounced an idea off of you and you thought I was moving in that direction. I said, I wasn't moving in that direction. I was thinking. She goes, oh, Pastor Derek, thank you so much. That helps me understand you so much. I said, so if I come to you with an idea, I'm just thinking. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm making a decision or I'm even leaning towards that. But my staff are all audio internal people. So in a staff meeting, it would go something like this. Hey, guys, I got a great idea and a great vision for something. Let me share you all the details. Let me tell you all of this stuff. And I would just overwhelm them. And then i go, what do you think? And they go, good. Good, I guess. And I learned, no, they're internal processors. They didn't want to talk this out with me. I'm audio external, so I had to learn how to build a bridge to better work with my team. And so now what I do is I'll say, hey, guys, i got an idea for a series. The Lord put this on my heart. Let me share with you the heart and the vision for it. And then next week we're going to come back. I want you to talk, uh, talk it over. I want you to pray about it. Think about it. Next week we're going to discuss how to put this thing together. We've been a lot more effective that way. Does that make sense? We've been a lot more effective that way. Why? Because I'm learning. I'm considering the way they give and receive information. And then when they come to me, I have to build a bridge and go, okay, let me think about what you're telling me. Because I know that's how you communicate. And so we have to consider our spouse's language. We have to consider who they are and how they communicate and learn how to build a bridge. Because here's the thing. Let let, let me give you an example in marriage. For instance, if a man recognized that when he goes silent, thinking in his mind that this is preventing him from getting angrier in conflict, it makes his wife feel rejected and unloved. Even though he's thinking he's doing a good thing, because, oh, you don't want to hear what I really think. I just got to get quiet. So we shut down and we stop talking. And then our wife feels like she's being rejected. What he wanted from her was a more respectful attitude, but his silence made her insecure. Now, because she's feeling insecure and rejected, she gets more upset with him, and then she says things that make him feel more disrespected. That's the crazy cycle that happens over and over. Now, God created men and women different, right? If you haven't figured that out, God created men and women differently. We're not the same. So I want to read from you uh, for you an excerpt from "Love and Respect" by Dr. Emerson Eggerich, a book that I used in, in study and prep for this um, message. I want to read from you a great excerpt from it, okay? It says this: "As a wife, you notice a man and a woman walking hand in hand. You see a couple sitting together in the park, talking face to face to each other on a bench. You beam all the way through your friend's wedding. As you pass the hospital, you see new parents coming from the maternity ward, and your mind races back to the birth of your child and what you felt as a couple. You look through, you look through the world, uh, look at the world through pink lenses. Forgive the stereotypical color pink, but it serves a biblical point. You see the presence of love, you scout for it. You can find it without looking for it. We believe God designs you this way. Ephesians 5 and 33 commands husbands to love their wives. Wives need to feel love. Wives look to be loved. Love colors what wives see. She sees the presence of love and she also sees the absence of love. Or when you feel unloving, women can see the sad countenance of a wife as she walks with her husband. You listen carefully to the negative way your friend's husband talks to her. You wonder why your husband does not say, let's talk, but instead he reads the paper or works out. In fact, if your husband does several things that feel unloving, you might say to him as you walk to the car from the parent teacher meeting, why don't you ever hold my hand? You only need me for one thing. I'm sick and tired of the lack of romance. When your husband counters, he said, where's this coming from? This is unbelievable. I don't deserve this disrespect. You discount this as further evidence that he's clueless and sensitive and egotistical. But could it be that your husband looks through a different colored lens? Could it be that he's not wrong, that he's just different? As a husband, you notice matters of honor. The movie Saving Private Ryan about the invasion of Normandy tears you up as you fixate on the incredible heroism. You follow the world of champion sports teams, feeling part of those guys who say, We respect one another more than anybody on the planet. We'll do anything for one another, one for all, all for one. We're going to be number one again. That note from your son that says, Dad, I respect you more than anybody, penetrates your heart like few things. That card is kept as gold. The purple heart that you received in the Gulf War sits on your shelf. A picture of your war buddy who gave his life that you might live is center stage in your home study. These things are about strength and honor, the phrase from the movie Gladiator. God designed men to be so moved by honor that they will give their very lives. Men serve and die for honor. You look at the world through blue sunglasses. You see the presence of respect. You scout for it. You can find it without looking for it. We believe God designs you this way. Ephesians 5.33 commands wives to respect their husbands. Husbands need to feel respected. Husbands look to be respected. Respect colors what husbands see. Conversely, men can be destroyed by contempt. Men pick up on the absence of respect. He looks at the world through blue sunglasses. Not wrong, just different. Friends, a wife needs to feel loved for who she is. A husband needs to feel respected for who he is. So a husband has two choices. He can either condemn his wife for her pink lenses, or he can appreciate God's design of her pink outlook. And I might add, if he seeks to see through her pink lenses she tends to engage him on his blue perspective. If he is sensitive to her needs for love, he can appeal to her to soften her disrespectful reactions. A wife can either judge her husband's blue lenses as stupid or thank God for his design of this man. Two, if she seeks to see through his blue lenses, he tends to respond to her pink perspective. If she is aware of his maleness, she can appeal to him to be tender to his reactions. Who is right and who is wrong? A husband is right when he needs to feel respected. He's wrong when he acts in unloving ways. A wife is right when she needs to feel loved. She is wrong when she acts in disrespectful ways. A beautiful discovery a couple can make is this. My spouse is not wrong, just different. Pink is not wrong for being pink. She's simply different from blue. Blue is not wrong for being blue. He is simply different from being pink. So when we consider our spouse's lens, when we consider their language, we learn to build that bridge. I remember when my wife and I first got married, then we had some communication issues. We had some communication issues when we first got married because we were very sarcastic. We were very degrading oftentimes in conflict. Where a conversation may go like this, I would come home, and I would say, Why isn't this done? I thought this was going to be done. What have you been doing all day? And then I began to rattle off what I've been doing all day. I said, I went to work. I did this. I had to do this. I had to handle this situation and that situation. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, she's saying, you don't understand what it means to be home. I had to do this and this and this. And we were just comparing who had done the most. And really what we were trying to do is we were just trying to say, hey, I need some help. Hey, I I want you to love me for what I'm doing. I want you to respect me for what I'm doing. That's really what we were communicating in that conflict. And I remember one time when we were having an argument about something that I just stopped. And I said, you know what? I think that we're really trying to communicate to one another that this hurts me or this really bothers me when you do this or that. Why don't we just say that instead of trying to hurt the other person to try to show you how I'm feeling right now? Because we'll try to dump the way we're feeling off on someone else so they'll feel the way we feel. That's a poor way to communicate. And it's actually going to push someone away from you rather than bring them closer. But people do it all the time because they're not considerate of the language that their spouse speaks. They don't learn and work on how to talk to this person. We say things like, I can't get nothing through to him. He's hard-headed just like his daddy. I can't get nothing through to that woman. She's hard-headed just like her mom. And we say things like that. And we're saying we're not working on how to communicate and talk to one another. We're not working on building a bridge. Instead, we're just going to be different and separate. And I just can't deal with you right now because I can't talk to you right now. And then we have kids and we focus all on the kids. And everything becomes all about the kids and we neglect our marriage. And then when the kids are grown and gone, we're stuck with this person we don't even know. I don't know how to talk to him. I don't even know what he likes to do. I don't even know what she likes to do. I don't even know anything about him. And there's distance placed in the relationship because we never learned how to build a bridge. So for us to grow in love and respect, we have to learn how to build a bridge and how to communicate our feelings towards one another. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse 1, the Bible says this, Therefore... If there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem himself, others better than himself. Let each of you not only look out for his own interests but also for the interests of others. We see here that Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, telling them, let nothing that you do be done through selfish ambition, but actually esteem one another. Esteem someone above yourself. Don't pursue just your own selfish ambition. Here's the thing. I noticed... Something about my wife. She wanted to be held in the morning. She wanted me to just give her a hug. Just hold her. A meaningful hug. Not one of these. Yeah, I got to go. That's what I was doing though. I was in such a hurry to get to the gym or get to a meeting or whatever the case was. I had to go. She would say, you're not going to leave without telling me bye, are you? Oh yeah, I'm I'm sorry. Bye. Love you. Got to go. And that's how I I was doing. My wife said, you don't understand. I'm feeling very unloved right now because you're not taking time to let me know that you really love me. And so I had to stop and go, you know what? I know that the gym needs me. <laughs> it does. But it's more important that I communicate to my wife the security that she needs a feeling that I love her. And so I stop and I, I, I give her a loving embrace. I will give her a warm hug that's meaningful and not just one of these I'm in a hurry little halfway hugs. And I realized she needed that because, see, when we first got married, we came from very different worlds. When I grew up in a home that was very touchy-feely, my family was very much, I love you, hugs and kisses all around for everybody. Every time, I remember every time as a kid when my sister and I would open a present, every present we would open, we would stop, put whatever we got down go hug mom and dad, tell them thank you, and then go open the next present because we were so overjoyed, and that's just how our family was. Every time, I mean, I I, I always touch people. I always put my arm around, hey, how you doing? Because that's how I was raised. My wife was raised, complete opposite. There was no saying, I love you very often. It was more just an understood thing. My wife wasn't touched very much. There was no hugging after every Christmas present. There was maybe an occasional hug, but nothing like what I had experienced growing up. And then you take these two very different people and you put them together in marriage and they have very different expectations. And I was thinking when we got married, huggy, huggy, huggy. <laughs> and my wife was like, don't touch me. My wife didn't even want me to hold her hand. She didn't want me to put my arm around her because that was foreign to her. That was uncomfortable for her. She would squirm when I put my arm around her. She just, She didn't like to be touched. And so... I'm going to be real transparent with you with this story because I believe it's going to help you. When we first got married, I allowed that to put a wall between me and my wife and I got very angry towards her because she didn't want to cuddle. She didn't want to snuggle up on the couch. She wasn't a touchy person. And it put a lot of distance and I got angry towards her over that. And so because of that, eventually she began to feel there was distance in our marriage and she began to long for me to touch her. Long for me to hug her. long for me to hold her hand and show her affection. Even though she hadn't grown up with that, there was something in her that now wanted that because there was none of that. And about two years into our marriage, I've been married for almost 13 years. Two years into our marriage, I decided that now that she wanted me to touch her, I was going to teach her a lesson about how she had done me. And so I began to push her away when she wanted to approach me. I thought, yeah. You should have figured that out two years ago. And that's how the attitude that I had it was wrong. It was prideful. Thinking that it's my job to punish her for what she didn't do early on in our marriage, and I was going to make her feel like I felt rejected. And I thought that was my job to teach her that. And so she wanted me to hold her hand. I don't want to hold your hand. Put your arm, why don't you ever put your arm around me? Ah, And then we would get in arguments like this, where we would say, I'd say, where were you at two years ago when I was wanting to do that kind of stuff, when I was wanting to put my arm around you? Now you see how I feel, like I'm some kind of great, high, and mighty teacher to teach my wife this. Yeah, that really brought us closer together. (laughs) I remember we would go to theme parks and things like that. She'd be like, just hold my hand. I don't want to hold your hand. I, I I I don't want to hold your hand. She felt very unloved because I was communicating something to her that she had communicated to me early on in the marriage. And I had to wake up and realize what I was doing. And I thank God for his grace to help me realize that I was actually putting distance between my wife and I. And probably about five or six years into my marriage, I recognized this. And I had to repent and I had to ask her to forgive me. And I had to begin to touch my wife again. Began begin to hold her hand when she wanted me to hold her hand, even when it was uncomfortable in the beginning because I wasn't used to it now, right? Began to hug her and take time to actually hold her like she wanted me to, even though I didn't feel that maybe she had earned it or deserved it. It wasn't about my wife earning or deserving my affection. It was about me giving it to her because I know that's what she needs. That's me esteeming her needs above my own. And now... I've been married almost 13 years. We can't keep our hands off each other. That's a good thing when your pastor and his wife can't keep their hands off each other. Amen, somebody. I know it's not beneficial for you, but boy, is it ever for me. I, I, I can't walk past my wife without running my fingers through her hair or, or even when I came up on the stage to play the bass a minute ago, just rubbing her back for a minute, just letting her know little things that I love you. She's touching me, touching me. Oh, man, it's great. Hadn't always been that way, folks. Hadn't always been that way. We've been through some times where I was really a jerk. I'm not perfect now. But we've come a long way. And we've learned how to esteem one another. And you know what happened when I began to give her what she needed? She began to give me what I needed. And it actually softened my heart. that had become hardened through the rejection I had felt early on in our marriage. I had to build a bridge. It's my job as the husband to lead the way because the Bible tells me to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Did Christ ever give us what we deserved? What we earned? No. Did we earn grace? Did we earn God's love and God's favor? No. He gave it to us freely. Why? Because he knew we needed it. He knew apart from it, we would die. You give your spouse what they need, not because they've somehow earned it. Not because somehow you're keeping score and keeping track of all their good deeds that you're going to reward them from. No, you give them what they need because without it, your marriage will die. You give them what they need because without it, it's going to continually separate you and push you further apart. Because you realize I have to give her or give him what they need. I need to understand how to communicate to them. I need to understand how to build a bridge. I need to understand how they see things, how they uh, process things and be considerate of who they are and not try to make them who I want them to be. We need to love our spouse for who they are and not who we want them to be. Amen, somebody? Because Christ loved the church for who we are. He so said, I love you right in the middle of your mess. I'm going to give you what you need right in the middle of your mess. Not because you earned it, not because you deserve it. That's the kind of love I'm supposed to have for my wife. The way that Christ loved the church. Sometimes I, I have a goofy way of processing things sometimes. I mean, uh, sometimes I can allow something real small and insignificant to really just jack my day up. I mean, and just really mess me up. Sometimes I get a little too emotionally involved in something and I'll just, my head will be hanging down, feet will be dragging. I'll get upset or, or, or start leaning towards getting real anxious about something or what someone may have said or done or whatever. And I don't always process those things the best. Now, my wife is an internal processor. I'm an external processor. She is so loving to me. But she has recognized I'm that way and she is willing to sit and listen to me because she recognizes when I'm struggling and when I'm dealing with something. What's going on, honey? You need to talk this out. I just need to vent and just talk. She's not trying to necessarily fix anything. She just knows I just need to get this off of my chest. I just need to talk it out. She's that considerate of me instead of saying, why don't you process this like I would process it? Because I process it this way and you need to be more like me. She doesn't try to make me like her. She loves me for who I am. And she allows me to process it the way that I process it. And so she is actually helping make me a more secure and better man by helping me in my weakness. You see how the two are being made one? By considering, saying, I know Derek needs to talk this out. My wife wouldn't want to talk it out. My wife would just deal with it internally. I could say, why don't you want to talk this out? You need to talk this situation out. No, she needs to process it internally because that's how God wired her. I need to talk it out in case you haven't noticed. (laughs) But my wife recognizes that and she considers that. And instead of pushing me away because of that or putting me down because of that, she appreciates that and actually opens up a door for me to be who I am, and help me be more secure in who I am through how she treats me. There's security in a marriage where we're considerate of one another, when we esteem the other above ourselves instead of trying to make them think, act, talk, and walk like us. Amen? I'm going to let my wife be who she needs to be, and I'm going to be who God's created me to be, and together we're going to be who He's created us to be. Amen? That's us considering our spouse's language, learning to build a bridge, learning to talk. Now, as we learned earlier through our two single guys, communication takes work, (laughs) right? Effective communication takes work. And I want to give you a few things to expect when you go on this journey of working on building bridges in communication when you're communicating love and respect to your spouse. To grow in communicating our deepest needs of love and respect to one another in marriage, we can, number one, Expect problems and misunderstandings. They're going to happen. Don't think, oh, Pastor Derek preached this sermon, or I read this book, or I saw, went to this seminar. I've got all the answers. Let me come and fix you. Nope. When you're working on something, expect problems and misunderstandings. But you need to expect to exercise a lot of patience during this process, too. Amen, somebody. The patience of Job, Lord. Oh, Lord, give me the patience of Job. Because you don't always get the response you want out of someone when you treat them the way that they are desiring to be treated or the way that when you're meeting their deepest needs. You don't always get that immediate response, do you? Well, this isn't working for me. I didn't get nothing out of the deal. I'm just going to throw my hands up in the air and just quit because I didn't get what I wanted out of do. No, you keep giving them what you know they need, not what they deserve, not what they've earned, Ooh. but what they need. Because when we give one another what we need, our marriage is going to live and thrive instead of separate, instead of push us further apart. So expect to exercise a lot of patience. Expect a lot of trial and error. As you're learning how to communicate, as you're learning how to build a bridge, There's going to be some trial and error. But don't ever give up. Don't ever stop learning how to communicate to your spouse. Amen, somebody? Because communication is understanding. That's what it is. It's not determining who is right. I've been trying to tell her all along. If she would just think more like I think, if she would just process like I process, if she would just view like I view, man, this would be a lot easier. Communication is not understanding. I mean, communication is understanding. It's not determining who's right and who is wrong. In the book of James, the third chapter, James chapter three and verse 16 says this, for where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. For us to understand one another, we have to get over trying to determine who's right and who is wrong. Remember, it's not right and wrong, it's different. It's not right, it's not wrong, it's just different. To the men. Ephesians 5 and 25 says we're to love our wives as Christ loves the church. Jesus gave his life selflessly. And I want to challenge the men to lead their homes and build trust between you and your wife by considering her. How does she feel? How does she think? How does she act and react? What does she need? Not thinking about new ways to get what you want from her. Or thinking of new ways to manipulate her to act and do what you want. Consider her. Give her the affection, consideration, and love that she needs. To the women, Ephesians 5 and 22 says, submit to your husbands. Respect him for who he is and what he does. Not always magnifying what he doesn't do or magnifying his weaknesses. Let me tell you something, ladies. Your men, for the most part, are well aware of their weaknesses. That's why they work so hard to try to hide them. They're well aware of those things. So don't always just magnify his weakness. Help him to grow in security of who he is by affirming for him the respect that he needs. Consider how he thinks and views things. Consider what he needs. I didn't say give each other what you think one another deserves. Because sometimes when your spouse has been rotten, oh, you're going to get it. I'm going to give you what you deserve, buddy. Not always giving one another what we think we deserve because God didn't give us what we actually deserve. And the Bible tells us to be good stewards of the grace of God that was given to us. You and I receive grace. That's something we could never earn. That's something we never deserved. And then we're told to be good stewards of what we've been given. And the best way we can be good stewards of that is to consider one another. That's how our marriage will bring glory to God. That's how the gospel can actually be shown through our marriage. Have I been the perfect husband? No. (laughs) Absolutely not, I haven't been. Do I still make mistakes? Absolutely I do. Am I always deserving of the type of love and affection and attention my wife gives me? No. And the same can be said of her, because we're fallible people who make mistakes. But love and respect is not about what we deserve or what we've earned. It's about understanding the grace of God. And it's about modeling that and giving that to our spouse. Because God gave us grace. We never earned it. We never deserved it. He gave it out of love for us. You see... Your spouse may not deserve everything that you do. You don't love your wife because she does everything you want. You don't respect your husband because he does everything you want. You choose to give. It's a choice we make because we understand the grace we've been given. That's why we do it, because we understand what we've been given. We understand God's love and his grace for us. You see, when you communicate grace to your spouse, you will show them love and respect. You will be used by God to meet their deepest needs, and you will grow in communicating, understanding, and love. You'll build a bridge. You'll grow closer together because you're understanding and esteeming the other above yourself. So this week, I want to give you a few things. I want you to write these down. I want you to break the crazy cycle by asking your spouse, am I making you feel loved? Or do you feel that I respect you? Ask those questions. And be prepared to deal with those things and communicate to one another. Do you feel I respect you? Am I making you feel loved? Second thing is think of ways to be considerate this week to your spouse. And I want you to do those things without expectation of reward. Just do something different, show them that you care. And by meaning, think of ways to be considerate this week to your spouse and do those things without expectation of reward. Men, I'm basically saying, do something considerate for your wife without expecting it to, expecting your wife to have sex with you just because you did it. Boom. Yeah, that's right. If that happens, wonderful. But I'm not doing this. Trying to help you guys out. Let, let, Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Don't always do things with strings attached. Hello. Do it because you genuinely care. I'm not expecting anything in return. I'm just going to love you. I did something for my wife, and, and I did good. I did real good. I'm not perfect, but this past week, I did good. A <laughs> couple weeks back, we were in, um, we were in Target, and um, we walked past um, something, and my wife points it out, and she doesn't think that I listened. Okay, she'll be like, you're not listening to me. You're not listening to me. Okay, so I hear her say something. Oh, that's really cool. And she goes on and on about it for like 15 seconds maybe. And then we just move on and keep shopping. Well, I remember. <laughs> it was Valentine's uh, this, this, you know, past Friday. And so I went up to Target and I went and bought that. I also bought me a watch as well. And I put it on. <laughs> Get this. So I put my watch on, like a big dummy, I wasn't even thinking, I put on my watch and I go home and my, my wife's like, where'd you get that watch? And I'm like, oh snap, um, um I bought it from Target, why'd you go to Target? Uh, you know, girl, I just go to Target and buy stuff, you know, um, um, and she like was starting to get upset, like, why are you spending money, why are you doing this? Like, oh, yeah, you know, I needed a watch, um. And then later on that day, I got to give her her present. She was like, oh, that's why you went to, oh, you messing with me. And I'm like, yeah, that's right." <laughs> but I paid attention two weeks ago to what she had said that, you know, something she was interested in. I ended up buying it for her. And, and, and just those little things, being considerate of the little things without expecting anything to return. Because she said, well, I didn't buy you anything. What, what, I, what do you want? You want me to go buy you? No, 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 that's not what I'm doing not why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this so you'll go buy me something. I want you to know I love you. I'm being considerate. And I thank God for my wife being considerate of me. Being considerate of all my little hang-ups and issues and my little weird personality quirks. Thank God for that. Cuz she understands exactly how to talk to me, exactly how to treat me. But that didn't happen overnight. You know that? It didn't happen overnight. Because there was a time where she used to be frustrated with me in certain areas. And she'd be like, "What? I understand why well, you just can't get over this. Why don't you just get over it? That's, that's what I do. And then she began to learn, oh, that's not how he deals with things. And now she understands how to do that. So wherever you are, Holly, thank you. <laughs> She's somewhere in this building. Thank you because I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be who I am today and be growing in areas that I'm growing in today if I didn't have a spouse that took time to consider the way that I see, the way that I think, the way I process And begin to help me grow from that point. I thank God for that. But that comes through communication. That comes through talking, showing one another we care, esteeming one another above ourselves and not thinking of ourselves only. The third thing, give your spouse unconditional love and respect. Oh, pastor, that's good. Say that slow so you can say some more. I think I will. (laughs) Give your spouse unconditional love and respect. That means there are no pre-existing conditions to how I'm going to treat you. I'm going to treat you with unconditional love and respect. The fourth thing, men, your love motivates her respect. And ladies, your respect motivates his love. We begin to soften one another's hearts when we make the choice to give our spouse what they need. Not what we feel like giving them. Because how many of you know that when you give these things to your spouse, sometimes you're stepping out in faith. Because you don't always feel like being loving. You don't always feel like being respectful. It's not about what you feel like. It's about I need to give them what they need. Because it's actually going to help soften their heart and bring us closer together. Help us to grow in love and respect. Amen. Help us to grow and understand our marriage and how we talk. I want to give you a few resources before we dismiss this morning. Dr. Emerson Eggers has a book called Love and Respect, and it's where I read that excerpt from the book out of, and he talks about the, the blue and the pink lenses. It's really good, and you can write that down. I'll leave these up uh, even after the service is over, and you can write those things down if you, you don't worry about having a speed write where you can't r- read it later. You know, um, also another book that I've used throughout the series has been The DNA of Relationships by Dr. Gary Smalley. You can pick that book up, you know, on CBD.com or Amazon or whatever. And that's a great book as well if you want to read that. Also, uh, we're going to put the I Want a New Marriage series together. Uh, We're going to put all the CDs together with the teaching notes and a little small group guide. So if you want to have some couples over your house and you want to go through this together, uh, also a DVD of all the elements videos that we made for this series as well are also going to be included in that with uh, the study notes and things like that. And I need you to pre-order that. And we're only going to make a certain number of them. Um, And and if that's something interesting to you, uh, I'd love for you to take advantage of that. You don't have to pay for it now. Um, But I do need you to go ahead and go to guest services and sign up. When we dismiss, um, if you want to give it to someone else, you think it'd be helpful, uh, just whatever. Uh, I just want that to be a resource for you. You know, the, the enemy is out to destroy marriage. The enemy is out to destroy this union between a man and a woman. Why? Because this thing brings glory to God when it's done the way that God created it to be done it glorifies the Lord. It shows his grace. It shows his mercy. It shows his forgiveness. How two people from two completely different worlds could come together and somehow make this thing work. And it shines the glory of God when we submit to his truth and his way and not our jacked up way of thinking or the way that we've been told it has to go. When we say, God, not my ways, but your ways. I'm willing to give up what I believe and what I thought for the truth, what you say, Lord, because I want your best in my life. Because I want your best for my husband, for my wife. I want my children to see the best modeled in front of them. I want them to see what a good godly relationship looks like. I want my children to see the mom and dad still love one another and are still interested in getting to know one another and care about one another and esteem one another and prefer one another. Love one another right where they're at regardless of how nasty we may get sometimes. That's showing them God. It's showing them grace. It's showing them forgiveness. It's showing them mercy. Oh, man, it glorifies him. Isn't that awesome? And the devil hates it. He hates it. Like I said, every week, there's been some kind of different attack in some different way. As you can obviously tell, even I've been struggling to even preach this message. I had Pastor Stephen studying my notes in the back just in case. I always have a plan B. <laughs> because last night after I got done speaking, I couldn't talk. I was just doing sign language. Sandwich soda. <laughs> <laughs> I pray that this series has helped you. I really do. Because I believe that if we can understand this truth, it's going to affect everything else. Oh, it's going to affect everything else. Because in the beginning, God created one man and one woman. Put them together. The two should become one flesh bonded together for life. Learning to love and to respect one another and ultimately bring glory to him as we grow in his grace, amen. Would you bow your heads? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.